faith? Tonight, we attempt to answer a question that has plagued man since the beginning of time. Who are we? Why are we here? Nope. Are we alone in the universe? Nope. What are those little plastic things on the end of shoelaces called? Not even close. Tonight, we attempt to answer that age-old chestnut, is there always room for Jell-O? Well, yeah, so long as it's not evil murder and some bitch in Jell-O. What if it's sugar-free? I'll allow it. Welcome to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me, as always, is my gelatinous co-host, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Faith, Arborville, California seems like a pretty nice place to live, doesn't it? Sure, why not? Well, it was a nice place to live. Until the title creature of tonight's film showed up and went on a murder and some bitchin' rampage. That's what murder and some bitchin' space bastards do. Faith, what is tonight's film? Tonight we have 1988's The Blob from director Chuck Russell and writer Frank Darabont. This is an update of the classic 1958 creature feature that starred Steve McQueen. The film was a box office bomb upon its release on August 5th, 1988, but has gone on to gain quite a cult following. Chuck Russell and Frank Darabont had previously found success with 1987's A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. They are considered to be the men responsible for making Freddy funny. Would we call Freddy funny? Not necessarily all the time, huh? <laughs> Not but necessarily. I, I liked when he smashed that girl's head into the TV. That was hilarious. Welcome to prime time. Russell and Darabont had written the script for The Blob before they turned Freddy funny, and it was the smashing success of that film, do you see what I did there? Mm -hmm. That allowed them to get The Blob produced. The film is a remake of the 1958 sci-fi horror film that was directed by Erwin Yeworth and written by Kay Lineker and Theodore Simonson. That film famously featured Steve McQueen in his feature film debut, and I would say we have a pretty good cast here in tonight's movie. Yeah, lots of familiar faces and faces you might recognize, but the name escapes you. Kevin Dillon portrays our rebel without a cause or a working motorcycle, Brian Flagg. He is familiar for his work as Johnny Drama on the series Entourage. He is also the brother of Academy Award nominee Matt Dillon. And here's a fun trivia fact that I learned in doing research for this show. His great uncle was Alex Raymond, the man who created iconic sci-fi hero Flash Gordon. That is very cool. We also have Shawnee Smith as Meg Penny. Shawnee Smith is familiar to horror audiences for her role in the Saw franchise. She has also made memorable appearances, uh, can't even talk, appearances in films such as Summer School, Leaving Las Vegas, and was a regular on the TV series Becker. Donovan Leitch is Paul Taylor. Donovan is the son of, wait for this, Donovan. <laughs> the singer-songwriter responsible for such hits as Mellow Yellow and Sunshine Superman. He is also the sister of actress Ione Skye, who famously appeared in the 1989 film Say Anything. She was the girl John Cusack was blaring in your eyes too with the boombox over his head. We have a few other familiar faces. We have Jeffrey DeMunn as Sheriff Herb Geller. The character is named after the noted jazz saxophonist of the same name. Check out his recordings, please. DeMunn is a favorite of Frank Darabont and has appeared in several of his productions, probably most famously in The Walking Dead as the character of Dale Horvath. Did he meet a grisly end? Don't they all on that show? Joe Seneca plays Dr. Meadows. 
A government scientist who is not on the up and up, Joe Seneca appeared in the 1986 film Crossroads with Ralph Macchio and was a songwriter who had a very big hit with his composition, Break It To Me Gently. Lots of musical connections tonight. He also made several appearances on The Cosby Show, and you know what product Bill Cosby did commercials for? Coca-Cola. And Jello. Hey, hey, hey. He was also in the news a few years back for something or other. We'll have to look into that and see what was what. <laughs> Paul McCrane of fame and ER fame, fame and ER fame, plays Deputy Bill Briggs and Del Close plays Reverend Meeker. Close made appearances in films such as American Graffiti, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and The Untouchables, and is remembered for his work as an acting teacher. His students include, get ready for this, these are some of your favorite names, Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, John Candy, Chris Farley, Tim Meadows, Bill Murray, Mike Myers, Harold Ramis, Gilda Radner, George Went. Those are just a few. The list goes on and on. We also have another American Graffiti alumni in the cast. We save the best for last. Academy Award nominee Candy Clark appears as Fran Hewitt. Clark famously played Debbie Dunham in George Lucas's 1973 masterpiece, American Graffiti, and has also appeared in films such as 1983's Cue the Winged Serpent, 1992's Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and 2007's Zodiac. In addition to a radiant smile, Mrs. Clark appears to be a wonderful human being. Yes, she does. In addition to the wonderful actors we just mentioned, we have an evil murdering some bitchin' blob in the movie courtesy of Tony Gardner, who has worked on projects such as Michael Jackson's Thriller video and 2020's Freaky. Tonight, we will be scoring the blob in one category overall film, and in lieu of stars, we will be awarding it Jello Mold. So there you have it. We're going to take a short pause for a coffee cause. The Blob is up when we return. I am Dan. And I am Faith. You are listening to The Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. By the way, those little plastic things on the end of shoelaces, those are called, what are they, aglets? Good to Something know. like that? Aglets. Good to know. We'll see you on the other side. It's 12.01, The Witching Hour. You're listening to WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio. You are cleared for departure. Your destination, the late night fright. Commencing transmission in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. As you know, on Dragnet, we've always tried to emphasize the importance of facts. And when we talk to you about Chesterfield, we give you the facts. You heard the report George Fenneman read earlier. Nose, throat, and accessory organs not adversely affected by smoking Chesterfields. Now, that's the first such report ever published about any cigarette. Remember that report and make Chesterfield your cigarette. Get them, regular or king size. Chesterfield, the best possible smoke. Much milder. J-E-L-L-O! 
the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. That's Jell-O. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O pudding. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O The Oka pudding jackery. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright. Talking about movies is fun, isn't it, Faith? It's fun to talk about movies with friends. We are so glad all of our friends are here with us as we get ready to talk about Chuck Russell's 1988 film, The Blob. If you notice a Stephen King influence on the film, particularly in regards to the names of the characters, that's intentional. Frank Darabont is a fan and has gone on to direct some of the best King adaptations, including The Shawshank Redemption and The Mist. If it feels like there's an Alfred Hitchcock influence on the film, say like a character you think is going to be the hero bites it less than halfway through in true Janet Lee psycho fashion, well, that was on purpose, too, to ratchet up the tension and make you think no one is safe. Hitchcock even makes a small cameo in the projection room of the theater. This movie was filmed in Abbeville, Louisiana, and that's a short hop away from where we are. It's a horror film, a sci-fi film, a conspiracy film, it recreates the famous movie theater scene from the original, and it's a whole lot of fun. Faith, let's get into it. What did you think of The Blob? I think you nailed it when you said it's a whole lot of fun. It really is. I thoroughly enjoy this movie a lot. I mean, it's it's, it's so much fun. 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 Fun's the operative word, right? Movies, yes. movies, movies can be a lot of things. Movies can be a whole lot of fun, too, mm-hmm. can't they? It seems like it's been a while since movies have really been fun <laughs> in the times that we find mm-hmm. ourselves living in, right? That's pretty accurate. <laughs> We're going to talk a little bit about the times that we find ourselves living in in relation to this movie because it is applicable to the film tonight. So we're going to get to that in a little bit. And this is not a soapbox pedestal. Things are weird, <laughs> you know, conspiracy thing. No, well, they are. But it's a fun movie. I, I want to quote the television series Community that starred Joel McHale and Chevy Chase. They did a takeoff of the series Glee when Glee was both still new and its main competition on Thursday nights or whatever night it was that it came on. There was a line in the community episode that Glee is what happens when your brain lets your heart into its pants. (laughs) The blob is what happens when... (laughs) Your brain lets your heart into its pants. <laughs> I, I was watching this movie. It had been a long, long time since I had seen this movie, and I was enjoying it way more than I <laughs> than I felt I should have. Right. <laughs> you know, I actually had cognitive dissonance happening. <laughs> like my brain was going, you shouldn't love this. You shouldn't love this as much as you love it. But you're like, I really do love this. <laughs> your brain, like my brain's going... It's big and dumb, but my heart's going, but it's awesome. My brain's going, all right, I'll I'll let you have it for 90 minutes. And my stomach was going, feed me. So (laughs) that's a shirt wasn't gas. It may have been. I don't know. It was a blob of something. I I, I really did, though. I loved 
every single minute of this movie, and I, I actually did go in with high expectations because of the pedigree involved with it, mm-hmm. and walked away from it just with this huge smile on my face. Like it, it's it's really everything you you want in a horror movie, isn't it? Really it really is. It, it's one of those kind of like. American Werewolf yes. in, in London. We talked about that. And that was a movie you and I both really dug. Well, it did win the Friday for That's right. For best film that we've covered here on our show. That's our right. Program we, here. we gave it we gave it an award and no one from yeah. that movie stopped by to pick up that award. We have a room full of Fridays <laughs> sitting here right now waiting to be picked up. That episode is available in our back catalog and guess what? We're gonna be doing another. Friday's episode. Ooh. 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 It's going to be fun. Um, the pedigree involved in this uh, really, really shines. Mm-hmm. We have Chuck Russell and Frank Darabont. They're our conductors for this symphony. <laughs> uh, before this, really, they it was Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors where they you know, had cut their teeth and made their name. They had been in the industry for a while, but where they really started. Right you know, uh, getting stuff made. And that's one of our favorites. It is. And we also did that that, that movie right here on our show. We also did, yes. And uh, I do want to talk about that movie just a little bit okay. because uh, it's, it's going to play into where I'm going with the blob. Uh, what did you think of Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors? It's one of my favorites. Of, and know, what, is it, what is it about that? That because the the sequels to the Elm Street franchise, and we we look, we both love that entire franchise. I know all of you out there more than likely love, you know, the franchise in its totality. But at the end of the day, when you talk about the best films in that franchise, it's one, three and seven, Mm -hmm. one, three, seven. I always liked three because of the, the fun it was to watch Freddie come to life with each fear in the nightmares. You know, it wasn't just like this, this one thing, like I'm just going to get into your dreams and attack you. I feel like there was this really cool play on each individual character. Yeah, that's why I loved it so much because it was just, you know, it made it creepier for me. What What I like about Dream Warriors is it does what good sequels are supposed to do. Empire Strikes Back being one of them, where you take the existing world and you expand on that world mm-hmm. while being very reverential to what came before, but also taking things you know, that might not have worked exactly the way that you think they should work and kind of expanding on them, like you said, with the kind of more uh, personal right. nightmares right. and deaths for, for the characters. And they open up the character of Freddy Krueger. And for me, for my money, three is where he becomes an institution. That's that's the movie where Freddy really becomes a star. Right. You know, and Robert Englund then by, by uh-huh. proxy. And I think that movie does so many things well. And yeah. it's a movie that has a great tone. The tone of that movie is very serious, yet you're having fun while you're watching that movie. Exactly. And uh, there are parts, I believe we talked about this when we did the episode last year. It was our Halloween episode mm-hmm. last year. There are parts in that movie. That's a 30-some-odd-year you know, old movie now. Yeah. And there's few parts that kind of get me every time I see it that I know. make me jump. <laughs> I know. You know? It, it's terrifying. It's creepy. It's creepy. And um, But you could tell Chuck Russell was having a great time with that. Oh, and, yeah. and I want to talk about tone. And uh, before we get to tone, but he was, he was reverential to Wes Craven's original vision mm-hmm. and expanding on it. So 
I think he and Frank Darabont were very reverential to the original 58 movie. And, and this was a project that they had written before. This was something they, when they met back in 81, I believe it was, they, this was the first thing they had worked on. They wanted to do a blob you know, remake. Mm -hmm. And this is in an age in the 80s when remakes were kind of becoming a thing. Remakes weren't the dirty word that they are now. You know, <laughs> the, the creativity juices had not been exhausted yet. Mm -hmm. In the 80s, we had three really good horror remakes. We had The Thing from John Carpenter. We had Cronenberg's The Fly. And we had uh, Chuck Russell with The Blob. And, and all oh. three of those movies are very good. But uh, I want to talk about tone because it's an often overlooked element of movies. And I don't think a lot of people sometimes understand what the tone is. Genre will get substituted for tone. They'll say, Oh, well, it's a horror movie uh, that the tone is horrific. Well, no, no. <laughs> so tone is actually defined as a general character or attitude of a piece of writing. So I would describe the blob as a fifties B monster movie updated with eighties effects wrapped in a blanket of Stephen King and Alfred Hitchcock with a conspiratorial tone. I think you hit the nail on the head with that. There's a biological <laughs> weapon that was engineered by the government. Mm -hmm. Is it too soon? Is it too soon to talk about that? Can, do we have to get to 2022 to talk about that? I'm just throwing that out there. We're, we'll talk about that a little more. I think, but it, a little preview of what's coming later. It did hit a little close to home, a didn't bit, it? A little bit. I was like, wow, we're watching some movies that are... You know, not so new, but they 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 feel so familiar was right it, now. Was it predictive programming? I don't think it was, <laughs> but it's it was it blew me away because it had been so long since I'd seen it. And I watched the '58 movie. I want to say six months ago, six or seven months ago. It was on Svengoolie, and it, that was another one. It had been a long time since I'd seen it and watched it. And it was a creature from outer space, and it plays into the atomic age that they were entering the space mm -hmm. race, all of those kind of fears there, you know, the government agents that are good. They're, they're the good guys Right here. It's inverted. The government agents <laughs> are sinister. They're the bad guys. And one thing that was hitting me is in a strange way, this is a, a weird kind of mirror image in an answer to ET where remember the government agents, yep. they were kind of good. Mm -hmm. You know, they were scary, but they were mm -hmm. at the end of the day, they were the good guys. Right. Here they're they're not they're they're not the good guys and no. does that possibly thirty years ago reflect where we are now? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I want to go back a little bit, just uh, personal history with this. Uh, we've talked about this on the show before. I really miss the days of the video store. Don't I miss, we all? I miss the days of the video store. I know. Friday night. Hoping that movie that you want is there, you know. It's so funny. I feel like most people probably miss the video store, even though we have the convenience of streaming anything we want, and it's not going to be out of stock. But there's still something that you know you, you miss that <laughs> you miss going on that hunt to see if that movie's there. There's that. I was excitement. I was, I was able to watch this early in the morning at work when I wanted to. Mm -hmm with coffee on, on a great screen, you know, couldn't do that. Going to the video store, I was able to rent it and have it right there, mm -hmm. you know? And I still miss that experience of going in. Because it's an experience. It's an experience. Yeah. And we talked about it with uh, our last show, the faculty 
where we talked about the movie posters and mm-hmm. how we don't really have movie posters like like we used to back in the day. And this isn't the older guy going, hey, what's, you know, right. you kids, you know, like you, you kids don't know anything about the movie. But there was a there was a there was an experience that went with it. And it was it was just this whole experience, mm-hmm. you know. And there was a thing, too, where if you if you were lucky enough to hear that they were making a movie, you know, this is way better. It's 30 years ago. Oh, they're making a movie. And then you see a, a, a teaser trailer for it, you know, mm-hmm. and you were at a showing where you got to see the teaser trailer, you know, and then you, you go tell all your friends about it. You know, mm-hmm. I saw the Back to the Future 2 teaser trailer, you know, <laughs> like and then then you see the you see the poster, you know, like right. it, it was it was exciting. Yeah. It would be up. And I can remember standing there and looking at posters in the movie theater, just like going, wow, like, yeah. ooh, that's coming out. You know that. Yeah, what is exactly. this? What is this Jurassic Park? Mm-hmm. You know, where you'd see a poster and you would you you hadn't heard anything. You walk by and you go, "What is that?" Like, ooh. Anyway, it was a, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, and and the video store was such a wonderful part of America yeah, at, yeah. That, at that time. I think that's what happened. And uh, it might be, <laughs> it might be. Was the, was the video store the glue holding <laughs> us all together? I mean, it seems like it, right? Email us at late night fright podcast at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on that. But I'm, I'm, I'm bringing that up because this movie has one of the all-time great VHS boxes. <laughs> it's just the pink, and you've got Donovan in the blob, like kind of screaming, and those eyes are yes. turning the color and just says, the blob <laughs> and if i'm not mistaken it's got the tagline now terror has no shape it's that wonderful it's <laughs> it's like everything you need to know about the movie right, right there, there. <laughs> yeah i was like okay all right but that you know i was looking you know doing research on the movie and that really brought me back when i saw the vhs uh box and i remember that box and i remember watching this with uh with my cousin who my cousin was a real kind of gatekeeper to this world and she loves, she's uh, it's perfect because she's about five, six years older than me. And that time, you know, and that was, that was like, you know, my, right. You know, she was the one who opened the door mm-hmm. for this. I've told stories about her before on the show <laughs> when she famously bring it back to Elm Street. We were in a hardware <laughs> store. I'm five, six years old and we're walking down the aisle and she turns around and goes, have you ever heard of Fred Krueger? Like, no, <laughs> he's a filthy child murderer parents burn him alive and he comes back in your dreams and if he kills you in your dreams guess what you die what i love about this is it's like out of nowhere huh like it was out of nowhere <laughs> that makes it even it was completely greater. out of nowhere. it was a sunday i'll never forget it was like a sunday like late sunday i was like well i'm not sleeping for the remainder of the 80s <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness i'm like five ten and a half i probably could have made six foot if i'd gotten you know decent nights <laughs> sleep Freddy Krueger hadn't ruined from, you. From 86 to <laughs> 92. <laughs> yeah. It's fun, though. But uh, that, that video box is like catnip, like a monster kid. You know, it was it was just, ooh, got to see this. What is this? What is this? What is this blob? <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the effects. We have, a, we have a creature in this movie. We have the blob uh, that was a genetically... Uh, constructed i guess uh it was built by the government um and uh well it's a murder and some bitch and alien that's yeah. that's akin to jello faith what did you think about the the creature in this movie i like the creature i like that it, it really it 
doesn't have a shape, you know, it doesn't have a face, it doesn't have, yeah, you know, it just kind of, it just kind of eats you, <laughs> it just kind of takes over your form and then it, it's expanding. I, and I like, uh, Darabont and Russell said they didn't have many rules for the blob outside of it, it would react or act like a stomach, mm-hmm. you know, with the acidic right. nature of the stomach, kind of an inside out right. stomach. And it's, you know, I'm gonna go back to the 58 movie, uh, the blob in the 58 movie was terrifying too. And this I hadn't seen that one. This utilizing the the then very modern effects in 88 is pretty creepy. It really And this is. movie's over 30 <laughs> years old and I was watching it going this is creepy. Like, <laughs> like this thing and, and I think that because there's really no getting away from it. I was just about to say that. Yeah. There's really really there's no There's something that's almost akin to the Robert Patrick in Terminator 2 with the liquid metal being able to form different mm-hmm. shapes. Well, you know, the whole thing with like it can go through doors. It can, you know, yeah, it can come up through the uh, sewers. Yeah, it, it, it's a pretty gnarly villain. I think so. And there's no reasoning with it. There's no, <laughs> right? You know, it's very much kind of like the Terminator <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit like the Terminator. <laughs> um, the effects, though, what do you think of the effects? I was a fan of them. I think for. For that look and for that time, I was I was satisfied with the effects. Like I said, I thought yeah. it was creepy. You know, I mean, absolutely for what it was. I mean, yeah. So this is 1988. You know, probably was filmed 87 into 88, and this comes out for me in the sweet spot of effects. And for me, the sweet spot of effects is post Star Wars 77 mm-hmm. into Jurassic Park mm-hmm. 93. So you've got the really kind of where George Lucas and his team take practical effects to the next level. Right. And then Jurassic Park, where ILM, you know, Lucas's people with Spielberg, take the uh, digital and CGI effects, you know, and for the first time, some people are, you know, we're seeing those kind of things. We're taking Terminator 2, again, uh, the liquid metal man. We're taking that idea, and then we're applying it and making these creatures that look mm-hmm. real and are, and, are, and are taking up space. That, to me, is the sweet spot. For, oh, yeah. for effects. And I think effects in that era when they were really, really good, that they stand up. They stand up mm-hmm. to the test of time. And um thing about it is horror movies, for me, have always been at the forefront of effects and makeup. Agreed. Always have been at the forefront. You can go back to Jack Pierce at Universal and the work he did with Karloff. My God, the work <laughs> he did with Karloff, right? I know. How amazing <laughs> is all that. So but amazing. Him putting Lon Chaney in the werewolf you know, makeup. And then you get into uh, the 70s and 80s with Rick Baker and all of those guys and Stan Winston, you know, and you get in the, uh, Greg Nicotero, all these guys. Mm-hmm. And this to me is just it because I don't know if you would call it a loosening of the morals, but you know, they were able, you know, with these remakes, they were able to show a little bit more and go a little deeper. You mm-hmm, know, right. American Werewolf in London's a great example of that. How all that stuff was in the Wolfman, and it's implied, but they couldn't show exactly. it. And here they, and, and in American Werewolf, they showed it with the gore, and mm-hmm. you know, and the gore was done so well, and the, and the blood and the violence and all that. So they could kind of, not kind of, they could, they could go there with this. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you have these really talented people who are just unleashed, and they're and they're <laughs> yes. able, you know, and here you go, you yes. know, and, and and some of the stuff that they came up with is just absolutely mesmerizing. And beautiful, but the thing that I appreciate about it, and it's really Elm Street 3 for me, that where I really appreciate it, because 
I know the background of that. They had such a hard time with the effects on that movie. And some of that stuff is really held together with like silly putty and, and string and things like mm-hmm. this. And what I'm getting at, there's like this high level of creativity. And I, and I, I respect that and Me I too. appreciate that. And I don't care if some of the effects look dated. They're, they're working in the movie. Mm-hmm. And the guys and girls that were working on this, are, they're craftsmen and artists. And I think I think they should be applauded for what they pulled off oh, here. Absolutely. And I know this was hard. No, oh, yeah. you know, and and all those other movies we just talked about, it's hard. It, it, it's hard. And I love the fact. And these are problem solvers and artists. Yeah, they didn't give up on doing you know what they wanted to do with it. They just it's it's the best. It's like a really great jazz musician where there's there's the artistry of the left brain and the right brain kind of working, you know, and the mm-hmm. heart all working together and. Man, they pulled off. I mean, these these effects people really are responsible for uh, not the soundtrack to your life, but the visual, yeah. the visual soundtrack of your life. You know, this thing, know. the blob. You know, the the look that um, Kevin Yeager gave the Freddy Krueger. You know, and all those guys who, who who did the makeup with England, but all those guys who did the makeup for the Hammer films. You mm-hmm. know, and I, f- I forget the gentleman who did. We talked about him on on a few of those Hammer, Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing episodes that we did, but. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing to me the level of creativity and problem solving that they have, and and I I think I don't think they get enough credit for being just gnarly artists. And oh, I, I was watching this, I was really I I kind of fall into the George Lucas thing where effects should be an aid to telling a story, mm-hmm. and I feel like the effects here just just really aid the story. They're in there. They're not you know taking anything away. They're mm-hmm. adding to the story. And they were really pretty to look at. They really were, actually. You know, <laughs> the, the blob was fun to look at. I know. And the gore stuff was really neat. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, like movies like this, and I know I've probably said it so many times, but I love when there's gore, but there's not, an, there's not so much of it. They're not taking it over the top and just throwing it at you. I call like, that torture porn, where yeah, it doesn't get into not, torture it's porn. It's not my thing, you know? Yeah. Like I like when it it's part of the story and it's just like there it is and that that's that's good enough. I just you don't need to throw it at me constantly. It's like the great uh, kind of going back to the Freddy who seems to be visiting us tonight. <laughs> He's kind of over the yeah and, and rightfully so. <laughs> you know the scene uh, the the Johnny Depp death scene with all the blood coming out. That's 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 a brilliant scene because you've got the Hitchcock thing there working where what happened? Mm-hmm. You don't want to know what happened, but you know something happened. And it, and it's just shooting up, and it's a it's a beautiful, and and violent, and uh, you you want to see it, and you don't want to see it at the same mm-hmm. time, you know. Yeah. And and these artists help tell these stories, and yeah. I, I thought they did a really uh, Tony Gardner and his team just did such a great job on this, and you know, young kids, you know, a lot know. of them young doing this, absolutely amazing. So we're talking about the creature design. What I like about it is it has weight to it. It has yeah. weight to it. And that's not knocking digital effects and CGI, but it has weight to it. You can reach out and touch it. Mm-hmm. And I like that. And, you know, there is an argument there. We're not going to get into it. But there is that whole thing of practical versus digital. I am of the opinion that the most perfect effects are where you're able to blend seamlessly between the two. Right. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. I, I really, really believe that. And, and I'm a believer that if actors have something there, that they can interact with, I think it makes a better, oh, I a totally better agree. experience. I think because they're they're acting 
you know, they're there with it. With it, um, exactly. You know, and that was one of the things too. Like when the Force Awakens, the the Star Wars film came out uh, a few years ago. You, know, you remember they were they were banging that drum, practical effects, practical effects, practical. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like it's like it's this cure all. You know, it's like <laughs> well, you know, if they're not serving a story, it, it, it doesn't really matter. Right. And that film actually had more digital effects in it than the prequels did. So. <laughs> That's for another time. <laughs> but I'm a fan of the effects here. And again, I, I, I love this era of effects mm-hmm. and makeup, and, uh, and especially in the horror stuff. It was, oh, it was God, really yeah. it was so much fun. So, so much, much fun. fun. So uh, we did mention Arborville, California is actually Abbeville, Louisiana. I have been to Abbeville, Louisiana. I have played music in Abbeville, Louisiana several times. I have hung out in the cow pasture and spoken to the <laughs> residents that live there. Uh, lovely cows in Abbeville, Louisiana. <laughs> Uh, lovely people in Abbeville, and uh, if they're waiting for snow there like they are in the movie, they're not going to get it in Abbeville, Louisiana. <laughs> trust me. Once in a once in a blue moon, but uh, I've I've been there several times. It's 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 in our area, our general area <laughs> here. Um, you been to Abbeville? I don't know. You don't I know? can't recall if okay. I have or not. Okay. Um, Maybe <laughs> it, it it blew me away. Afterwards, Lauren, I was like, that was Abbeville. Like, it's pretty that, cool. That great small town look to it. It has a great look, though, the I setting know. for this, right? Yes. What is it about small towns and horror movies like this, especially like monster movies mm-hmm. like this? There's just that thing. There's just that vibe with small towns. I don't, I just, yeah, sometimes bigger cities work, but I feel like that small town becomes the character because it is so small, yeah. you know, and it's just like. Yeah, it just gives that that wonderful vibe. We always have aliens calling us every week or something. Is that the mothership calling you it, home, Faith? It is. Is it every um, every week? I love I love the small town vibe in a monster movie, and, mm-hmm. and very much in keeping in line with the original film from '58. But uh, for me, you know, we were talking about Stephen King and Alfred Hitchcock and how they're kind of you know lording over this production. Mm-hmm. And for me, the small town that to me is like the King influence on this. Right now. There's another influence, but the most direct influence. He did name a lot of the characters after King characters, like uh, Flag is a name from The Stand. He named uh, Shawnee Smith's character. Uh, her last name was Penny. That's that's going with <laughs> Pennywise. I'm sure there are other ones too. I'm I'm not intimately, you know, familiar with right. with all of the names <laughs> in his his body of work. But but no, but I, I I do feel like the small town setting very much is in line with with Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Then we have the Hitchcock influence, and, and the Hitchcock influence can be felt in the fact that characters that you might get attached to will, will be out of the movie, <laughs> will get blobbed, blobbed out of existence. Yeah, a little too quickly than you, than you want them some to. Of them, some of them a little too quick, which I do like and I, and I don't like. And one of my, one of my main uh, criticisms of the movie is I feel like they were taking too many of them out of the movie too quickly. Too quickly. Mm-hmm. That that A, you weren't getting to spend time with them, and B, uh, you, you you wanted to spend time with them. Right. That was the thing. And it could have been in a little longer. If they had stayed in just a little longer, then you might have cared for them a little more, and it would have carried a little more weight. And I was like, oh, well, they got it too. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, we'll talk about the the two in particular. I think that that I think we're in agreement on mm-hmm. the two in particular that that should have stayed around just a little bit. So I think we have a pretty good cast here. I think I think we I think we do. Let's let's go through let's go through them real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Dillon is is our lead here. Kevin Dillon uh, 
beloved for his role in Entourage as Johnny Drama. I have friends who just absolutely adore that program. I've never seen an episode of it. I've never seen it myself. I think he won some awards, and I and I have seen some scenes. And he's very good. I think everybody in that show was really good, from what I've mm-hmm. seen. Kevin Dillon, of course, is the brother of uh, Matt Dillon. And when I first saw him in this movie, and listen, I I I really don't think one way or the other about Kevin Dillon. I seemed like a good dude, right. like. But um, when I first saw him in the movie, the character in the movie, I was like, oh great, here we go. <laughs> You know, I had the same here thought, we go. literally. Here we go. And the guy was, uh, Chuck Russell had him wear hair extensions in the movie. You know, and Shawnee Smith. And Shawnee Smith, yeah. <laughs> I was, yeah. And um, Faith, did you check the IMDb I, trivia I did. page? Did you? <laughs> and I saw him in his leather jacket, you know, in his motorcycle, and that kind of blank look on his face, yep. you know, like, and kind of squinting. Mm-hmm. Squinting off into the distance, <laughs> you know, I was half expecting Matt, you know, Matt Dillon's voice because, you know, Matt's got that. I can't do Matt Dillon, but, you know, <laughs> he's got that thing where he talks real raspy sometimes, you know, and I thought he was going to be this rebel, you know, without a without a clue kind of thing. Uh-huh. Man, I really, really liked his I character. <laughs> I, I, I came to love his character pretty immediately. I know. And part of it is he's anti-authority uh-huh. you know and anti-authority is always fun but he's he's a good actor on top of it I he know. was young here and i think he did just such a wonderful job with this and he needs to be working if you're going to be following him as the anti-authority right. lead in this mm-hmm. so the other thing too uh steve mcqueen kind of kind of is in the original i like that they didn't do like a steve mcqueen kind of copy mm-hmm. here and uh no he he was really cool like i, I really him. enjoyed him no i was with you i was like okay here we go another character like this but then really kind of for the first few minutes you're like okay he's not really what i expected at all and you really like him and and i don't want to say that he's that stereotypical sensitive badass you know it's not that he's just he's a character mm-hmm. you know he's a he's he's kind of the town delinquent and he rises to the occasion mm-hmm. Shawnee Smith, she is a very familiar face to horror movie audiences for her role in several of the Saw films. Uh, what about she's probably in twenty three of the eighty four <laughs> Saw films. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, her and Jordana Brewster are in you know the Fast and the Furious and the Saw franchise. They're in like a hundred twelve <laughs> movies combined in those franchises. It feels that way. It does. Shawnee Smith. Uh, I I got acquainted with her work in a Mark Harmon film from the legendary Carl Reiner who just left us called Summer School, which is a comedy and has we need to do that on the show because it, they have two horror hounds in the movie that are just absolutely hysterical, and that's a wonderful movie on top of it. And Haven't she seen it. is wonderful in the movie and she's precious and I think Shawnee <laughs> Smith is absolutely precious and she is a working actress this is a woman who has been working since she broke into the industry 83 84 i think is what i was seeing around her first credits and she's just she steadily just built this solid mm-hmm. body of work hit it with the, you know got regular work then with the saw franchise you know right. after being on the becker tv show and she's a working actress and she's another one we've talked about it i was doing a little bit of research on her she seems very vibrant. She she seems like she's just a, a, a nice person to be around. She doesn't seem like the typical Hollywood sleaze. Mm-hmm. She seems very accessible and in the vein of our favorites here, guys like uh, uh, Kane Hodder and Robert England is very accessible to the fans and, and, and doesn't mind, you know, 
being around them mm-hmm. and right. interacting with them and goes to conventions and things like that. And yeah. looks like she's happy to be there. Yeah. You know? So she, she seems very cool. I like her character here. Mm-hmm. I like you. her character of uh, Meg, Meg mm-hmm. Penny, I mm-hmm. believe is her name. Meg Penny. And I like her and Kevin Dillon together. I also like the fact that there's not this weird romantic subplot between them, which yeah. would have been so easy to throw. They, they do not go there. In fact, they go there once and it's a joke. He, he, sarcastically and badass manner uh, he's in a car if you've seen the movie you know and he puts his arm around her and it's more <laughs> of like you know uh, 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 posturing to the Donovan character right so really really wonderful and, and I, I just like her I, do too. I like her what did you think of, of her performance here I liked her I feel like you know you have those movies with the cheer- again like like a uh, flag yeah you have these kind of stereotypical characters like the you know preppy cheerleader but she didn't really like come off as that right? no you know? and, not at all and, and i love that about these characters you, not you at feel all. like whoever they're supposed to act like they're completely different and you you love them there's a there's a phrase that people just love these days called subverting expectations and these guys were doing it 30 years ago well it's not even subverting expectations it's building good characters there you go <laughs> and you know what it, this just hit me their previous movie dream warriors Remember what we said about those kids. We liked those kids. Mm-hmm. We liked those characters and those yep. and those actors that they cast in that film. Kind of same same mojo same here, right? Know, yeah. Same mojo. Donovan Leitch, uh, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, is the son of Donovan, uh, Sunshine Superman. They call him Mellow Yellow. He was uh, he was friends with the Beatles, I think. <laughs> uh, Donovan is the brother of Ioni Sky, who was at one time married to a Beastie Boy. So there you go. All right. He plays uh, the Janet Lee role, really. You think he is going to be our hero. Uh, I like that you're pulling for him in the beginning because he's trying to get a date with Shawnee Smith, mm-hmm. and he does in a very kind of fun way, <laughs> you know, gets knocked out basically on the football field and asks her out before he passes out. I, I loved it. <laughs> um He's not a bad guy, but he's also not like a, a, a clean cut nice guy mm-hmm. either. You know, he's uh, right. uh, I wouldn't call him a dick, but he's, you know, no. but he doesn't like flag and he lets flag know that he doesn't like him. But he's also not an ass. He's very <laughs> cordial when he goes over to pick up, you know, Shawnee Smith. Right. House. And it's one of the one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Her dad, <laughs> the pharmacist, there's a great scene with the condoms and the ribbed and all this. And if you've seen the movie, you know, if you haven't, you should check you it should out. I don't want to spoil that for you, but really great. I, I thought he was he was fine and I liked his reaction when he starts getting eaten. <laughs> He's one that I was kind of like, okay, I didn't expect him to go so sudden. Like <laughs> There it is. There's a Hitchcock. There it is. There's the Hitchcock. Del Close plays Reverend Meeker. We listed his his incredible list of students. And uh, I, I always liked that guy's look. He passed away uh, way too soon in the, in the 90s, I believe, or, or early 2000s. It, it was, he was too young. He was too young. What a great look this guy had. What a great creepy look this guy I know. had. <laughs> and... Um, I understand the makeup took quite a bit of time that he had on at the at the <laughs> end of the movie, but um, I, I wanted to make sure that we mentioned him just because I I didn't know that about him, and I knew that face did hadn't put the name together, and when I started reading that, I was really impressed. Yeah, with, that's, that's an impressive list of people. That's and that was not that was nowhere near 
all of them. Wow. Nowhere near all of them. It's it. John Favreau and Vince Vaughn were also on that list. Oh, wow. too. Yeah. So I, I want to make sure that you that I mentioned him, so mm-hmm. you can so you all out there can appreciate that. You oh, know, absolutely. Because it's it's really something. Uh, Seneca uh, is that Joe Seneca? I want to make sure that uh, I just had his last name here. Seneca, uh, the doctor. He's kind of the villain of the piece. Mm-hmm. How wonderful was he? How wonderful was was that? Okay, pretty wonderful. Like, and he shows up what about an hour or forty five minutes into the movie. Mm-hmm. Does he ever take that hazmat suit off? I don't think that he does. I don't think does. so. I don't believe so. And he's absolutely chilling without trying anything at all. He just shows up and he says the lines, and you think he's on your side at first. He's not he's on not. your side. <laughs> he's not on your side. And when you realize not only is he not on your side, you're expendable. Man, I was going, I was like, oh, wait, the blob's not the villain. <laughs> right. <laughs> not the I vil- know. I you know, know, and what a what a wonderful life this guy, Joe Seneca. I'm sorry, Joe Seneca. What a wonderful life this guy had. He wrote "Break It to Me Gently," which is one of my favorite country songs. Yeah, a good and that song. Juice I Newton version is absolutely wonderful. Check that out if you haven't heard it. You know, and I've seen Crossroads. He was great in uh, Crossroads. He played uh, Willie Brown in that. If you've never seen that, that's a fun movie too. But how cool was that? I mean, so cool. <laughs> so cool. I love the cat. And, and what I'm getting at is I love the casting here. Like, I know. Like, I wouldn't have put him there. <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have cast him. They did. They did. Yeah. And, and, and I'm so glad they did. <laughs> all the better for it. <laughs> right. All the better for it. And I think he's a really great villain because he's a great villain because he's not trying too hard. Exactly. At all. He's not putting anything on, on that. He's just, he, yeah, man, he's a company man. He just shows up, delivers it, and they know his part. And there, there you go. go. It's like, there you go. All right. So I said I had a problem with the movie. My problem is uh, uh, they, they did. I, I love that they killed off Donovan Leitch the way that they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's, un, like you said, that's unexpected. Mm-hmm. We had two other characters that get killed off early and I think get killed off too early. Mm-hmm. And as Jeffrey DeMunn, as the sheriff, and Candy Clark. Let's start with Jeffrey DeMunn because we're going to save the best for last. Jeffrey DeMunn, I've always liked this guy. He's in this movie, as we said, it's full of faces. Mm-hmm. It's full of people that you recognize and you don't know the That's name or you I know the name him. and you might not know. And he's one of these actors like, oh, I know that guy. You know, Jeffrey DeMunn. Well, what's he been in? And you can't name a <laughs> damn thing he's been in. Uh, and uh, he's appeared in the Shawshank Redemption, The Mist, uh, mm-hmm. all the Frank Darabont stuff. He's he's in those movies, rightfully so. He's a he's a good actor. I loved him as Dale Horvath on The Walking Dead. I thought he was just a, a great piece of that show. I think he was on the first two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of of Jeffrey Demun? Because in a way, Jeffrey Demun and Candy Clark are the older version of Shawnee Smith and mm-hmm. uh, Kevin Dillon in this movie. Again, I loved him and. I felt robbed of him not being in the movie. Because he's in yeah. like two and a half scenes. Yeah. And then it's really. like, okay, bye. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, but what you get of him, you're like, okay. And you don't even see him die. That's that's the other right. thing. Right. Like you see his face, which is great seeing that face. But Right. And I love the character. I, I loved, I, I feel that the movie could have used a little ballast in the more mature person mm-hmm. department. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing against Shawnee Smith or, or Kevin Dillon at all because right. they're they I, I really I think they're wonderful in this movie. I do. Too. I really do. But I, I felt like it could have used, you know, 
an authority figure. Maybe just yeah. to ground it just a little. Just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. A wee bit. But a, I, a little. I mean. I loved, I loved him in this movie. There's something. And he's, to show you what a great actor he is. And this is a guy that's a, what they call a day player. You know, in the industry uh, who show up for a day, mm-hmm. you know, and knock it right out the park and then he's on his way. He's a character actor. And in in one scene, his first scene when he's in the diner, you know, everything you need to know about this guy from the way that he's sitting and talking and, and delivering and what he's saying. It's really great. Mm-hmm. Really great. It's really it's really that's really a well-written scene. Those kind of things get overlooked sometimes in movies like this, that's a really well-written scene because it establishes character and tone and all this for this movie. And Frank Darabont's really good. He's a really good writer. Mm-hmm. And a lesser movie would not have that scene. Right. And it's a scene you can miss. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can, you know, it's not integral. I like those scenes. though. I like those, what I call the hangout scene. And you're with this guy as he's having his breakfast and he's eating it and you know that he's there quite a bit and mm-hmm. he's the sheriff and he's kind of got a thing for Kenny Clark and then he's asking her on this date and it's kind of awkward and, and you, you see who this guy is and unfortunately we don't get to spend a lot of time with him and I really right. wanted to spend time with him because it had been so long since I'd seen it I thought that he that the flag character is going to have a redemptive arc with the sheriff I couldn't remember you know because they're set up as you know adversaries yeah, you know. I could have, I could have seen that. I, I thought that's what yeah. was, was getting ready to happen. Yeah, in this movie. I mean, did you, could you have seen that? I could have. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So I, I feel like he got taken out of the movie a little too early, yeah, and, I and I feel so. like he needed that authority figure in town, mm-hmm. because then you could have kept that authority figure in town, and he could have butted heads with uh, Joe Seneca, right? You know, yeah. with with the, with the doctor, exactly. with, the, with the mad scientist. And and he was he was just so wonderful. He's got that great look about him too, mm-hmm. you know. Great, and, know. And he's great in everything he's in. So I want a little more of him. All right, we save the best for last. <laughs> we save the best for last. Um, Candy Clark is an Academy Award nominated actress for her role as Debbie in George Lucas's 1973 masterpiece. That's a masterpiece, people. American Graffiti. She was the only member of the cast to get an Oscar nomination for that. She has been in some things that you may have seen. She's been in some things you might not have seen. At one time, she dated Jeff Bridges. I want you to keep that in the back <laughs> of your mind. This woman dated Jeff Bridges. This is a woman that Jeff Bridges was like, I want to spend time with her. You know, and Jeff Bridges is cool, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Right? She is from Oklahoma. She was a former model and turned actress. And if you're able to watch any interviews that she's in, it's a wonderful thing. She seems like just a wonderful person. She just does. A, a really, really interesting person mm-hmm. and uh, kind and warm hearted and has this beautiful smile and this voice, this, this yes. wonderful, <laughs> wilting Midwest, you know, almost Texas, not really, <laughs> you know, Oklahoma voice. Um, hey, maybe, speaking of Oklahoma, we don't have any Oklahoma listeners, so maybe. We've been Maybe. doing this show over two years, and we have <laughs> not gotten a listen in Oklahoma. If you know somebody in Oklahoma, please hook us up. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe the Kennedy Clark reference tonight. Maybe will, so. Pull somebody in. We, uh, well, let's see. She plays Fran in the movie. Mm-hmm. What did you think of Candy Clark in 
blah, blah. Yeah, and I loved her for the like two minutes you get of her. About, about ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, about ten minutes. It felt it felt way she less has, than that, but she has about again like Jeffrey Demun two scenes three she has three scenes she in the seems movie. just like uh, a sweetheart you know the character and the character fran is sweetheart and uh she's all she's really wonderful in the scene where jeffrey demon asks her out she's awesome in the scene where kevin Dillon and shawnee smith come and they're having uh like a late dinner mm-hmm. after he gets picked up you know things are starting to pick up plot wise they've right. seen the blob she feeds them. It's a really great scene. She's awesome in the scene where the guy gets pulled down the pipe, oh, which God, is a yeah. great piece of special effects work, and, and her reaction to that is priceless. She's amazing in the uh, Tippy Hedron reference yep. to the birds <laughs> where she's in the phone booth and she gets attacked by the blob, mm-hmm. and she's one of them, and that's it. And that, that's all she's in in the movie. <laughs> and, again, I get it. I get the Hitchcock thing. I get it. But I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of her. Me too. And just because uh, I'm biased. I'm a fan of <laughs> Candy Clark. So about three or four years ago, I introduced Faith to American Graffiti. You had never seen American Graffiti, and nope. you're a big fan of George Lucas because mm-hmm. you, you're you a human being. <laughs> <laughs> you like Star Wars, and you like Raiders of the Lost Ark and, mm-hmm. and those things. And, and I said, well, we got to watch Graffiti. And it's a movie I am... I am extremely enamored with. I, for some reason, and listen, I love Star Wars. Star Wars is is maybe my favorite movie of all time, the original Star Wars. And I actually think Graffiti might be the better movie. Yeah. I know that's sacrilege in some <laughs> circles. It's also sacrilege when I'm about to say that I actually kind of prefer the 1988 blob to the 58 <laughs> film. I said it. I know Neil deGrasse Tyson is a huge fan of the 58 film. Come at me, bro. <laughs> Come at me. Bring your science, bro. But um, we we both fell in love with Candy Clark in American Graffiti. Mm-hmm. And this is a cast that includes Richard Dreyfus, Ron Howard, Paul Lamatz in that movie, Cindy Williams, Shirley from Laverne and Shirley's in that movie. Harrison, Harrison Ford, Ford <laughs> is in the movie. Harrison Ford. Uh uh, Mackenzie Phillips is in the movie. Uh, Suzanne Summers. Uh, the the she played the wife in Apollo thirteen. Kathleen Quinlan uh, pops up in that movie. There are it's another movie with a lot of faces. Wolfman mm-hmm. Jack is in the movie. Uh, yep. Charlie Martin Smith. Charlie Martin Smith plays Terry the Toad, <laughs> who Candy Clark gets paired off with for the majority of their little story. And so, if you've not seen American Graffiti. Well, it is it is uh, it's one of the greatest American films ever made. I'm I'm not overselling that it is. uh, It's a movie that broke a lot of ground in sound design. It broke a lot of ground in narrative storytelling. If you watch that movie, watch that movie, watch a Quentin Tarantino movie with the way that that multiple narratives will be going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. George Lucas and uh, that that guy, that guy, that guy knew what he was doing. The guy had it going Uh, on back in the day. (laughs) And it's an amazing film. But. The thing is, like, with all those faces in that movie, Candy Clark's the one that got the Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actress playing Debbie. And what was it watching that movie? Because we both had the same reaction watching her in that movie. And it was amazing because I, I remember I looked over and I was like, she's a, she's great. Like, And you were like, I'm, I love her. Like, And then we started watching stuff of her, and it was like, it was just this this romance that blossomed. So what, what was it about Candy Clark? She just lights up the screen when she's on it. I mean, 
she just I always use the word presence, but that, I feel like she has so much of it. She yeah. just she just seems so real and yeah. you know. And and the thing is, like that character of Debbie in American Graffiti is nothing like she is in real life because Debbie's kind of flighty, you uh-huh. know, and materialistic. And if you watch Candy Clark, this character actually seems a lot more like who the real Candy Clark is. And she has been. She has done some really wonderful work. She was in The Man Who Fell to Earth with David Bowie. She was in a great in a movie called Fat City with Jeff Bridges. It was her first film, I believe. And and, and she just pops up in these odd places like Cue the Winged <laughs> Serpent, which I, I saw her in that. I was like, oh, I love you. You know, it's every time I see her, it doesn't matter at what age mm-hmm. I see her and I go, I love you. Like, <laughs> she's one of my favorite actresses. You know, yeah, it's a I'll- shame that she's not like, you know, more she wasn't in more. Yeah. But I'm going to say this. I don't know if that was something she wanted to pursue. I don't know what, you know, she right. was just like, oh, something I do, you know. Yeah. She she seems like she's very, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. I love her in this. Yeah, I do. And, and that's my biggest gripe is I'm a little biased and I did want her especially to stick around a little while. Me too. But I did feel that those two characters could have stuck around. And that's, that's my biggest gripe with the movie. If that's my biggest gripe, but everything else is working, I think we're okay. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Because the rest of it really is fun. So my final thought on The Blob, it's an extremely fun movie with a great cast, great effects, a little bit of gore, a little bit of suspense, a little bit of humor, and a whole lot of fun. That's that's the move. That's, that's it. That's what I think. <laughs> Real quick, before we take a break, uh, modern times, these times that we find ourselves living in, weird, strange times that we find ourselves living in. How did it feel watching this? Because there's a, there is a conspiratorial aspect to this movie. The government created a bioweapon. Listen, I don't know where you fall on this, but there's something real hinky about everything going on mm-hmm. with, with the uh, Poo Poo 19 <laughs> that was out there. Um, were you catching that vibe? From this was oh, that. Oh my God! I, yes, I figured. I figured you were. <laughs> uh, did you have any thoughts on it when you were watching? It? Were you like, "Wow, okay"? <laughs> uh, that, yeah, that pretty much that. I was like, "Wow, okay." Uh, like I said earlier, here's this movie from the '80s that seems so, you know, relevant, relevant to this day. Like it's just, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, and it's our second movie. I feel like we've done in the last two weeks that, you know, a creature is, feature is that is interesting things that are so real right uh, now a creature feature that's relevant you know which yeah. is yeah but that's that's one of the beauties of horror and sci-fi we've said that before that isn't it amazing it's 30 some odd years old now and it's still speaking to us it's right. still speaking to us and i appreciate anything that has an anti-authority bent to it mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not an anarchist at all but I do believe in questioning authority when authority needs to be questioned. And I, and I, I believe that authority should be questioned and there's yeah. very few authorities that I recognize. Mm-hmm. Very few, <laughs> <laughs> you know, make of that what you will. <laughs> Final analysis on the block. It's a, it really is a fun movie. Fun movie. It is. It's, you get lost in it cause it's so much fun. Yeah. Do this. Have an 80s night with this movie. Get mm-hmm. some candy. Do an 80s night. I like that idea. Tease the, hair up, tease the hair up real big like <laughs> they used to do back in the day. I was thinking about that with Shawnee Smith. I was watching. I was like, that's 80s hair. <laughs> there it reminded me again. I was talking about my cousin. There you there go. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Well, 
here it is for us. We are going to take a very short break. This is a news break. So be sure to stay tuned for all of the fake news, not fit to print. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we'll see you on the other side. Jonas Grumby, affectionately known as the skipper to his friends and family, has been missing for several days and is feared to be lost at sea. Grumby was last seen aboard the SS Minnow, setting out to sea for a three-hour tour. If you have any information on his whereabouts, please contact the Cozy Corner Harbor Master. Utilizing a $4.5 billion grant from the U.S. government, Scientists at the Cozy Corner Institute of Science and Stuff have indeed determined that people have gotten exponentially dumber in recent years. This includes politicians, media figures, entertainers, athletes, and more than likely the majority of people you know. While we here at the Late Night Fright do not agree with the Cozy Corner Institute of Science and Stuff getting $4.5 billion from the government, we wholeheartedly agree with their findings. Trust the science. There you go. Final arguments begin this week in the civil trial against the Acme Corporation brought forth by one Wild E. Coyote. Mr. Coyote says that Acme is a danger to society and that he himself has been stomped, blown up, electrocuted, and smashed by their products throughout the years. Mr. Coyote is a self-professed genius and is currently being treated for OCD. He is obsessed with a roadrunner. We'll keep you posted when we have more information. Finally, in financial news, Grape Ape and Magilla Gorilla have gone into business together. Their new company's name? Monkey Business. While they have a name, they do not yet know what line of business they'll be going into. Apparently, at every staff meeting, they usually end up monkeying around. And that is the news. Stay tuned for our final scores and a preview of next week's show. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we're going to wrap it up. The Blob, I think we're both in agreement. An extremely fun movie. Uh, I feel like it might even be an essential watch if you like so. horror films and creature features. 
And I love this thing in the 80s where you had movies like this and movies like Raiders of the Lost Ark and like the Temple of Doom and really even Star Wars is like this too, where it's a a B movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a B it's a B movie kind of picture. Right. But they have such great craftsmen and artists working on it. You know that it, yeah. it's an A level thing. I love that. I love I that kind of like the the, uh, the quote unquote vulgar, you know, art mm-hmm. gets elevated. Mm-hmm. I like that. I, I do like too. That. And that's a that's a real staple of the. Indiana Jones films. They're, they're, they're B pictures, mm-hmm. but they're really, really good. But they're like some of my favorite movies. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But uh, I, I do. I think it's an essential uh, monster movie. I think I think you need to see this. All so, all the great horror beats are in this movie, just yeah, like it, American it, Werewolf. It, yeah, Roman. it's got that classic monster movie vibe all over it. It's just yeah. such an, an, an entertaining, fun movie. And as we said, one of the great remakes before remakes really became a thing. It's, uh, I need to watch the original. It's it's a lot of fun. And that's I have plans to do that on the show uh, at a later date. We're going to get to that. The, the original is an essential piece of 50s sci-fi horror. And that's it, it's also just a whole lot of fun. And the great thing is, it's this film is so reverential to the 58 film, but it also breaks away from it. And so you get the great movie theater scene, which is one of the most famous scenes in the original. And they do it here, too. It's so creepy. It really, and when it got pink on the, yes. on the screen, wasn't that great? And... Um, yeah, because I actually felt trapped, like... Yeah. You know, you you're you, you felt movie, like you're in the movie. This movie does a great job of making you feel claustrophobic at times, <laughs> oh, yeah. doesn't it? It really it really hits the beats. And so yeah, I'm gonna say I think this is essential essential yeah. horror viewing, essential creature feature mm-hmm. viewing. How did you score it? How many jello molds did you give 1988's the blob? Three and a half jello molds. I also went three and a half jello molds. My biggest criticism being I felt like we could have spent a little more time with some characters. Mm-hmm. That's my biggest yeah. my biggest gripe with it, and that's not a huge gripe. Yeah. It does not take away from the enjoyment of this movie. Not at all. Not at, not all. at all. There you go. The Blob, 1988. So next week on the show, we we have a treat. We we have a real treat. Do we? <laughs> I think we do. This movie that we're going to be doing is celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. There have been a lot of retrospectives going around YouTube on it, and I, two of them popped up in my feed, and I'd kind of forgotten about this movie, and we've decided that we're going to do it. Faith had actually never heard of it. No. I just showed her the trailer for it, and we watched a little short scene from it, and the look on her face... What the f? Like what is going yeah. on? I'm intrigued. As all, I mean, I'm I'm intrigued. I really. Yeah, <laughs> the movie that we're going to be doing is 1991's Nothing But Trouble. This movie is a quote unquote comedy. It's sort of a horror movie. It's it's this grotesque amusement park of a movie. This was written and directed by Dan Aykroyd. I don't know that we've talked about Aykroyd on this show since very early. When we did Ghostbusters. Yeah, I don't think so. So this is going to be a lot of fun. The cast includes Chevy Chase, the late, great John Candy. And Demi Moore is also in it. And uh, here's a fun trivia bit. Tupac Shakur makes his <laughs> film debut in this. It has been a long time since I've seen this movie. This movie, it's like a fever dream. This is the kind of thing that if... 
if you were my age, you would have been about 11, 12, 13 years old when it came out. And you may have seen it. And you may have forgotten seeing it. And it may be like a fever dream to you, a lost memory. So if we have any, you know, <laughs> recovered memories happening next week, you'll know why. But nothing but trouble. This is a weird, weird, weird film. And I am so intrigued. <laughs> it is Dan Aykroyd unfiltered. I uh, Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's going to be fun. This is going to be a lot of I'm fun. I'm ready. The level of talent in this movie is just off the chart. So I'm a huge Aykroyd fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know this was this was a huge bomb when it came out, but uh, we'll see. We'll see if time has been kind to it. this. Is fun because it has been a while since I've seen it. So, and, and first time for you. So this is going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait. I can't either. <laughs> I can't either. Yeah, I mean the trailer alone, but yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't even really know what to expect to be honest with you. At and all. and you have. Some people that uh, the effects team, a lot of the makeup people worked on like Elm Street and Freddy and stuff like that. So there's some great makeup effects going on this. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It's It's been a while for me, so it could be a complete bust, but we'll, we'll see. I'm excited. We'll see. What is not a bust is all of you stopping in to join us. We want to thank every single one of you for letting us drone on in your ears for about an hour or so. It is a pleasure and a privilege to do this show. Talking about movies is fun, as we like to say here. It's more fun to do it with a friend. So call up a friend, watch a movie, get into a discussion. You never know where that discussion might go. And uh, I think that's what's so important about movies and art and things like that is, is, is the reflection of society, reflection of what it says about you and where that conversation can take you mm-hmm. to, to certain places. And I think that's where understanding and unity really happens in this world. Yeah. And remember, I've been saying this, there are more of us than there are of them. We win by standing together, standing tall and standing up. So stay healthy, stay safe, stay sane out there. Take your vitamins. Yep. Faith, you got anything you want want to tell the good people out there? I don't know. I think you you nail it every time with that. I think that's, I think you got it down back. (laughs) Thank you all. Thank you all for letting us, uh, for letting us do this. Thank you for for tuning in. And we've said it before. Our numbers have been really great. Uh, If we had two people listening, we would, we would keep doing the show because it's it's a lot of fun for us to do this show and and I, and I really appreciate all of you out there uh, tuning in it really does mean a lot it's, it's, it's one of my favorite parts of the day is, is when I check the numbers and, and I see where we're being listened to it's just so cool it really is and yeah. be you a spook specter or a gelatinous blob thank you all <laughs> all for tuning in nothing but trouble this is really weird it's a really weird movie I'm really looking forward to it yes you have your you have your homework watch the movie I'm ready to watch the movie. <laughs> there you go. And if you're in Oklahoma or know someone in Oklahoma, yes. listen to the show. Please, please listen to the show. <laughs> if anyone knows Candy Clark, she can reach us at late night fright podcast at gmail.com. There you have Love it. you, Candy. <laughs> Faith feels like it's at time, doesn't it? It does. On the count of three. One, two, three. Ah, parting is such sweet sorrow, isn't it? Yes, it is. Well, at least we get to go watch nothing but trouble. <laughs> Thank you all again for tuning in. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Faith, take us home. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep Keep your your monster monster on on a leash. leash. We'll see you on the other side.